The reviews are in, and Secrets is a hit. Listeners have described Secrets as priceless information, a personal cheat sheet, and binge-worthy career advice. And Season 3 promises to bring you even more secrets on how to advocate for yourself, how to become a better ally, and how to get that coin. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, put in that work to reach the top of corporate America. And this groundbreaking podcast challenges you, as well as corporate America, to be better and do better. KP and PR will bring you more tips and tricks on how to advance in your career. So fill up those cups and welcome to season three. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Secrets. Ricky, what's going on, my brother? Hey, Keith, I can't believe that we have reached the end of another season on Secrets. Unbelievable. Man, this stuff is going by fast, okay? Mm -hmm. When we're talking about time flying by quickly, that's a bit of an understatement. And the universe just keeps giving us gifts when it comes to content. I mean, I don't know how many times we've made some in-game decisions because John Gruden wanted to send some emails, right? right. Or because somebody else wanted to, like, it's always something going on that uh, makes us, you know, end up having, uh, you know, content. So we're appreciative. But today is a very, very special day because this is our 60th episode. It's unbelievable. And we have another good one for you. Another super, super good one for you. Yes. And Ricky, it's hard to believe how far we've come in just 16 months of doing this podcast. And this season, we've had some amazing guests on Anton Vincent, Brooke Story, D. John Jackson, Jalama Nichols, Alex, Daryl Smith, Gary Cunningham, and even you. Ricky, <laughs> that's right. We were featured you this year on the 50th episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. He didn't disappoint with his questions. Okay. <laughs> so, and today we are going to wrap up our season with one more hot fire guest in Chandra Pappas. <laughs> She's the executive vice president uh, of Nelson, one of the nation's largest independent staffing firms. She's actually like a, one of our favorite people. Also, yeah, she okay. Is. She <laughs> is a 20 year industry veteran who champions a diverse and equitable workplace and is a leading force behind the company's DEI focus, aimed to impact both internal culture and the larger Nelson community. Chandra holds a bachelor's degree in business administration from Townsend University and is the 2020 recipient of Nelson's Chairman's Choice Award. In addition, that ain't it. Okay, that ain't it. In addition, she recently was named to Staff and Industries Analysts prestigious 2022 Global Power 150 list, yes. which recognizes women executives whose unique visions, influences, and achievements provide the catalyst for moving the staffing industry forward. Welcome to Secrets, Chandra. We've been waiting on this. Oh, thank you. Oh, man, thank you, Ricky. Thank you, Keith. And first of all, congratulations on 59 successful episodes. And let's just hope I don't mess up number 60. No, oh, no, no. no. <laughs> I, am, I am so honored to be here. I love you two guys. You have been um, one of the, the best days of my life When is when I was able to meet you all. So thank you very much for the invite. Yeah, thank you. And welcome again. And we're so happy to have you here. And, you know, Ricky and I, we actually have partnered with Nelson over the past several months to bring some roundtable discussion sessions on DEI to some of Nelson's key clients. And it's been an absolute joy to yeah. work with Chandra and her team. Um, they are on point. And as another year wraps up for many of us, it's kind of natural for us, you know, in our careers to start to kind of reassess, look back at this past year and kind of reassess where we are professionally and where we want to go. You know, is this the time to to do something different? And so we thought we would end our season with the question, is it time to test the waters and reach out to an executive recruiter? And that's why we asked Chandra to be on board today. And so she's going to talk about uh, that as well as a lot of other things today. Yeah, no. So I'm buckle up. I mean, again, this is going to be one of those episodes where you have to record this. Yes. You know, you have to go back and listen to some of this stuff again. So in this episode, We'll get to know Chandra a little bit better and discuss some executive recruiter basics. Then we'll discuss some strategies and insights on executive recruiting itself. 
We will provide some receipts as we always do on the advantages of using an executive recruiter. And then finally, we'll close out with our secrets from Chandra on how to engage and take advantage of an executive recruiter on your career journey. Yes, yes. I think people are really going to enjoy this. I'm excited. I'm over here cheesing, man. (laughs) (laughs) And And just to set it up. We were thinking about, again, when we get ready to end the seasons, we want to try to end it with something impactful. And and not that everything is not something that people can use, but we really want you to use, you know, at the end, right? This is like the culminating event. So when we reached out to our sister Chandra, we was like, man, you know, who should we get, you know, to talk on this right here? We So we sent Chandra a text message. She responded like in 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like, hell yeah. That's oh exactly God. what it was. <laughs> I think I was watching some stupid football game. I was on LinkedIn and you, I'm like, Hell yes! <laughs> oh my God, yeah. So y'all get ready. So again, welcome. And, and then I was like, "Ooh, was I too easy? Was that <laughs> not at all? Not at all? Not at all?" And Chandra, as you know, we like to start out our interviews by giving our listeners kind of a sneak peek and who they're talking to. Uh, we shared a little bit about your biography there at the beginning, kind of that professional biography at the beginning. But uh, we really want that obviously doesn't say who, who all of you is right as a person. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your story? What was it like before you hit the big time? <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I'll try to I'll talk about my earlier Years, I think that has um, a lot to do with my personality today. But um, so I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. My parents were divorced, like 55% of America, uh, parents were divorced. I was raised, but this is unique. I was raised by my father. He had sole custody. And that was one of the things that I think from my perspective, being a female woman executive, I think a lot of the way I grew up with having a dad at the helm 24 seven, you know, literally walking me through the change of life when I was 13, that was a man, right? And so if you think about, that's a little too much information, but it just kind of shows you that a little sharing of who I am. We moved around a lot for his career. So I went to three different high schools, probably two or three different junior highs. And um, he was always there at every every event. He would fly home and try to be there for me being in band, which I was terrible at. I was percussion. I couldn't keep a beat to save my soul. And then I tried to be a cheerleader. And I was awful at the cheerleader. I think I got kicked off the squad. I was just, and he, there was my dad always there. So I had great support. We moved to Maryland when I was a senior in high school. And he said, look, kiddo, we don't have a lot of money. So you got to go to a state school. And I could have gone back to Illinois or stay in Maryland. And so I decided, and that's how I became a Towson Tiger, go Tigers. And so I went to Towson, graduated in four years. Um, And during that time, we started, uh, my dad started building a small log cabin and a very small parcel of land in Pennsylvania. And the reason why I share that is I love that. I love the building. I love the project planning, the hard work and seeing your progress. And I knew then I wanted to go into construction. And so fast forward, I graduate from school, try to get a construction job, doesn't happen. And he gives me um, two weeks to find a job back to school. And I graduated in that sophomore session in 1987. Like two weeks, he's like, oh, you're paying rent. And I'm like, okay, this is (laughs) My dad is no joke. I'm like, oh man, and all my friends were poor. So they couldn't, like, I didn't have anywhere to go, right? And so I go and I land in a temporary staffing agency in their lobby. And that's how I actually got my first job um, out of college was through a temporary agency. That first year, I kept looking though for a career in construction. It really, it really caught my attention. It was a huge passion. I um, mean, we were kept on building the cabin. It's still standing to this day. And, and over 30 years later, that cabin, that log cabin is still standing. And so I'm interviewing from assistant superintendent and I find myself in front of the president of a national construction company. And I was like, I just said to him, do you interview all assistant superintendents? I mean, I might have been making $32,000 a year. And here I am with the president. And he laughed. He goes, no, I actually never interviewed for an assistant, anyone applying for that job. You're the first woman who ever has. So I just needed to see who you were. And I got the job. And I was like, okay, well, here I am. Let me tell you, just give me the opportunity and I won't disappoint. 
it was fun. It was a challenge. You know, obviously I didn't realize I was going to be the only female in that role mm-hmm. for maybe um, the people that were on the job site were the maid, the cleaning crew were women. Um, and the woman who drove what we would affectionately call the roach coach. And so I was always confused for the lady who was, you know, making deli sandwiches for the guys on the construction site or the cleaning crew. I would even have guys say to me, Hey, you know, you're taking jobs away from another guy with a family. And I learned humor very early on. And I would say, Hey, we're looking, have them apply. We're hiring. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that was the beginning of my recruiting right then. Right. And so anyway, I had a great career, had really found really good male mentors, went into sales, another recession hit. um, And so they asked me to go into sales. I actually said, no, I didn't want to. And then they said, well, you're unemployed. And then I said, hey, I can sell, I can do this. And so I sold for a couple of years for the same company. And I learned that my expertise learning how to build houses allowed me to sell them easily. I was really, I just walked into it and it was pretty easy for me, but that money, Cha-ching, I made it and it was addicting. So I was working like seven days a week. I had no life and I met my husband. We're still married today, thankfully. And um, I just decided I needed a career change. And um, lo and behold, I fell into the staffing industry because of some friends referred me to the staffing industry. It was, um, I needed something meaningful, important in people's life, but I also wanted to go engage in the business to business side. So um, that was the beginning of my career. Wow, that's, Ooh, that's that's great. I mean, so real quick. So when, when you're when your uh, dad says to you, uh, you got two weeks, how did he start the conversation? Did he start it like, look here, Chandra. <laughs> did he go? Yeah, he was he he was no joke. He still is. No, he is such a no joke that every time I've been promoted, this is no lie. He would say, you know, kiddo, you're going to get fired. You know, no. <laughs> The higher you go up in the, the higher you go up in the corporate, you know, kiddo, you're gonna get fired. I'm yeah. like, I know that. I should charge him for all my shrink bills that I've had over the years. So, so, yeah, he was. He definitely was. He was. He grew up in Maine, so he man a few words. So when he spoke, you listened. Um, that's for sure. So it was two weeks, and I knew it was it was two weeks. Two yeah, weeks. yeah. He wasn't playing around. He went. I came home. Yeah, he wasn't talking about 15 or 16 days. He was like, you know, 14, yeah. you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. He was, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, no, so, that, so that's, that, that's, uh, that's great, you know. Um, but we're going to start out with the question that probably, that's probably on most people's minds when it comes to thinking about testing the waters, you know, with an executive recruiter, because it's almost like you feel like you might be cheating. You feel like you might be, you know, a, a, a bit of infidelity, you know, out there. So um, as we're thinking about this question, it's are you committing career uh, career adultery when you engage with an executive search firm? Chandra, answer that question for us, sister. Hell, yes, you are. No, you're not. <laughs> You actually, you're, let's just call it flirting. You're being flirtatious at that point. Yes. When you're engaging, you're flirting. You're not really committing, you're not cheating yet. But really what happens though, is when you're interviewing, when you go and you actually go in for an interview, that's cheating, uh, but that's okay. Because if you're not out there looking for your own career, if you're not looking out for your own goals, if you're not looking out for your own family, who is? And so there's a part of it that that's just a necessary way of how we go and find a a different career or advance our career. So it's it's a must. Um, There's a cost to blind loyalty. Can I go into a little bit about what the cost is of too much tenure? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're in a role for, let's say, three to five years, if you're not showing career progression in that food, or if you're in a company in the three to five years, and you're not showing career progression in those three to five years, you're really limiting your opportunities outside of your company. Because as a hiring manager, someone's going to say to you, what, are you afraid of taking risks? Are you too comfortable with no change? And so you really could be finding yourself, even your loyalty to your boss or your loyalty to your company could actually be costing your money throughout your career. But so there's two points that you should kind of think about your tenure. Your first two years out of college, take a look around. Are you getting paid enough? 
because you don't get equity adjustment in your first few years of college, it's going to cost you a couple hundred thousand dollars by the time you're my age. When you're in your 50s, if you're underpaid when you're out of college, it, it's like compounding interest. If it's not building, you're not earning. And so <laughs> you've got to really pay attention to that. So you want to like explore that option um, of that loyalty combined with strategic loyalty. I think I would call it strategic loyalty more than anything. It's just look around, make sure that um, that you're doing what's right and the company is progressing, you're getting new skills and thing, things of that nature. Then you're not, I think that's fine. If you're just jumping for the sake of jumping to earn another 5%, be careful of that because that could be bad news because you'll get a reputation of that. But otherwise, I, I would highly encourage the flirtation and I highly encourage some cheating as long as it's strategic. <laughs> hey, we told y'all Shonda was going to be telling us. <laughs> <So. Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And one thing that struck me when you were saying that kind of three to five year period in terms of movement, one of the one of the things that happens, especially for people of color and for women in particular, you don't even get the opportunity. So you do get stuck mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in some of those instances. So it's just something for us to be mindful of as part of that conversation. And which which also brings us to like episodes that we've had in the past about being intentional with your career discussions, yes. you know, that you have asking what all needs to be true mm-hmm. in order for me to get to the next level and actually doing some self-discovery, right? Like yes. when somebody asks you, what is it that you want to be or what do you want to do? You got to have that shit yeah, together. Yeah, and like, you, you can't sit there and try to freestyle that. You have to have had that together. So the advice that Chandra is talking about here does not come after, right. you, you know, like it comes, like it comes, like you have to do your self-discovery beforehand. Mm-hmm. You have to do some of those things that we're talking about. And then you start, and then you, you start know, kind of executing on what Shonda's speaking start to. Start the journey. Absolutely. So I wanted to just step back uh, for a second and maybe just kind of start at the beginning a little bit for our listeners and talk about some recruiter basics. So Shonda, would you be able to just kind of give our listeners some insight on just the industry itself, you know, the types of firms, how you get paid? I would love to, because it's important to know, and it can, it can help you how you approach or in some um, respect how you not to approach um, um, executive recruiters. So, so there's a difference. So there's executive search, and then there would be like direct hire placement. Executive search is C-suite. Um, they're going to be placing in the C-level, so vice president and, and above. Maybe senior, like maybe a senior, like a senior manager, but probably not. It's oh, usually C-suite and above. And the reason why I say that is because that's the search that they are a company, pick up the phone and engage them on. That is an engaged search and it's very purposeful. So an executive recruiter will most likely find you. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. You're not going to reach out to an executive recruiter at that level. They're definitely going to find you. And then there's another type of search out there and the strict hire permanent placement. And that's a very big industry, very big niche. And that's for people that are in operational roles, staff roles. So you don't have to be an executive to leverage this industry. And that's what I was sharing earlier. Like if you're two years out of college, you may want to reach out to a direct hire recruiter or someone who's involved in that type of staffing because they they can help you. They'll definitely be able to coach you. So there's two different levels. So you have your executive search and then you're more of your operational staff. And, and, and you don't want, if you're if you're in the C-suite, you do not want to be represented by anyone other than C-suite executive search people. Otherwise, it really dilutes who you are. And vice versa, if you're operational staff, someone on the executive level won't have time to really help you and they may not have the best network for you. So you really want to pair up with someone that is in the, in the right sweet spot. How they get paid, I think you mentioned that as another um, clarifier. So usually executive recruiters are 100% commission. I mean, sometimes you get a, um, a variation of that, but that's important to know is because they're no joke. They want you to win. So if they're engaging you, a good executive recruiter will help you at least get the offer. I always say, you don't have to accept the offer. You just want to get the offer. And that's up to you whether or not you accept it. And a good executive recruiter knows that and will put you in a position of getting as many offers as possible because they will only get paid if you if they make the placement. And that's usually a good 80% of the industry. There is a, a small and very important niche called retained search. 
And every paying search is when the company is, the role is so strategic and probably confidential that they are willing to pay an executive recruiter upfront and regardless of if they fill it or not. So a retained search is the, you know, at the very top end of the level. So you're talking not only C-suite, maybe even board level and things of that nature. So that group is not 100% commission at all. And they usually, you know, they'll get a third up front or half up front. And again, they get paid whether or not they're successful or not. But, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, if you, you'll run through, you may run into an over-aggressive recruiter because of the way they, they're paid too. So there's a pro to that. And then there's a negative side to that. If someone can't handle that type of stress of being 100% commission, that could be a problem also. The other thing I would consider is um, a boutique firm versus a large recruiting firm. So um, boutique firms will um, most likely be very niche. So I know that both of you have used search firms, and I'm always curious as if you went boutique or national, but boutique, what I like about boutique firms is that they are a specialty. They are niche. They are finding, they're usually in a, a job category, finance and accounting, and maybe even an industry like nonprofit or energy or something along those lines. I've worked for both. I've represented for both. So the large um, global firms, they are, they usually have specialty divisions. So you want to make sure you're in the right division and they have an amazing network, right? They have thousands and thousands and thousands of companies they can reach out to. So there's pros to both, just really who you meet and where do they go? Where, and who, it's almost like picking a lawyer. You're not really going to the firm, they're going to the recruiter. Mm-hmm. And that's really, um, and I think that's really the three things that you need to know, like, you know, how are they paid, the difference, making sure that you're landing with the right type of executive recruiter, and, you know, whether or not they're niched in your in your business or not. Mm-hmm. That's great. Just a couple of follow-up questions in there. So, so if, uh, let's just say I'm engaged, you know, with a recruiter, right? Like, and, um, and we're talking about eggs in the basket, right? Like, should I have all of my eggs in that basket? So should I be engaged with the recruiter or is it still okay for me to, you know, to search on my own? Oh, yeah. So a good executive recruiter will tell you to cast a wide net, leverage your own network. And in this day and age, we even say, don't be loyal to one recruiter. Like Mm -hmm. if you want to engage in another recruiter, we sometimes, uh, we may ask for, hey, just hang in there with us for a couple of weeks while you're engaged in this particular search. But we always, always, a good recruiter will always say cast a wide net. The only thing you want to be cautious about this, this is kind of the secret of um, what we've seen, some of the real unintended consequences of that, is that there's a duplicate effort. So if I'm pitching you, Keith, to a CEO, mm-hmm. and my competitor is pitching you, Keith, to that same CEO, you're mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And so um, because they're going to think that you're either over aggressive, you're over eager or they don't want to have a conflict of um, who do they pay, all of that. So there is a confidentiality piece of that. And we can talk about that a little bit later. So you want it. You want that that relationship with the executive recruiter is so important for trust, transparency and all that. So, yes, engage, cast a wide net. I I think the statistic is um, you have a higher. degree of success placing yourself than with an executive recruiter, believe it or not, because of your network. And, you know, like, for example, I've done both. I've been placed twice with um, search firms, but my last, how I was able, um, how I landed at Nelson with my own internal referral. It was a taxi ride. That's how I got, that's how I moved from Virginia to California. It was a damn taxi ride. In Florida. <laughs> so you just never know, right? And so, um, but yeah, so cast a wide net would be my advice, but be cautious. Make sure you know what's going on and who they're presenting you to because you don't want to duplicate efforts at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is this is outstanding, you know, advice. I mean, this is this is why we have this. Okay. So people can get some of this information. But to build upon what you've spoken to already, what are some of the benefits of using like an executive recruiter? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's there's plenty of things that that you enjoy versus even though you just spoke about some of the odds are better if you cast your own net. But again, this is part of it. You know, so what are some of the benefits, you know, to using an executive right. recruiter? Thank you for asking that because it gives me a chance to kind of brag about what we do. So there's really five, I would say, five critical 
benefits that I'll top highline and then we can jump into details if you guys want to explore some of the details. But mm -hmm. um, first of all, we will save you time. We will streamline your search and we're going to save you your time. Your, your listeners are busy. They're busy with their own careers. They probably have family obligations. What, you know, to find, to sit and search for a job, cast a, send out 100 emails, make all those phone calls. That's a lot of time and effort that probably most people don't have. It's a job looking for a job, huh? Yes. <laughs> it is a job looking for a job. And that is all we do. We spend 24-7 looking for, you know, those, those connections. So we will definitely take um, some of that time and give it back to you then full. Um, and so that's number one. The other number two would be access to a much um, larger network and a hidden job market. So companies will not post that they're looking for a controller or if they're looking for a um, VP of marketing. You may not find that on your job boards. And so and the reason why, because it could be a confidential search. There may be someone sitting in that role currently that they are looking to upskill, right? And so there's a lot of reasons why those roles are confidential. So when you engage with a, an executive recruiter, you gain access to hundreds of different companies that that executive recruiter knows. But this one, it goes back to before when I was speaking to what kind of firm you want to partner with, you're also going to be able to leverage the company's contacts too. So if you're working with a single shingle guy, that's okay for one or two searches, but that I would much prefer working with a boutique or a larger firm because that team that they're working with is going to help you expand even larger. And you're going to come across opportunities that you'll never have seen outside, um, outside of working with that um, executive recruiter. So definitely access to a larger network um, and to that hidden job market is, is pretty cool. Um, the third one is we will give you unedited feedback and you're going to need that. And so what do I mean by that is we need you to get the offer. And so we're not going to, we, we are not going to hide if you're not presenting well, if your resume needs updating, if you're um, not able to handle some of those tough questions about a gap in your background or why you, I mean, we've all been fired, right? So we've all been fired, but you have to be able to tell the story. We will help you get that story. So it is, it is an asset and not a liability. So we will give you such good feedback that you're, no one else is going to give you that feedback. And it will be all in the goal to get the offer. Again, you don't have to accept the offer. You just want to get the offer. And so that feedback is um, will benefit you probably throughout your career. So we will coach you on how to even send a thank you note. We would coach you on, you know, if you're, let's say if you're really interested in a role, but you're overqualified, we would be like, no, 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 that's, don't go that way. You need to be thinking of this kind of career trajectory. If you think you're all that, but you're not all that, we're going to humble you a little bit, right? And so we're going to say, hey, wait a minute, you may, you know, you may not be all that today, but we can help you get there tomorrow. So that unedited feedback, I think, is really, is very valuable. The fourth thing is, is that we're going to be an advisor. And we're going to be, we're going to represent you through that process. Something like 71% of the workforce hate talking about money and they don't want to negotiate their um, salary. We do that. As an executive recruiter, we will handle all of that for you. And so we will hand, we will prep you before an interview so well that you will know every inside, outside thing that you need to know about that company. You will, you will be so relaxed because you're going to have so much knowledge going in. Um, we'll help you negotiate your salary. We're going to help you negotiate benefits. If you want that third week vacation, we're going to help you do all that. So we're your voice. And you have no idea how valuable that is because they're dealing with us. They can get mad at us as an executive recruiter. We give you a little bit of space. So we give you some comfort. So when you do start day one, they, they're going to think, hey, that process was easy. They don't know it was you pushing. It was they blame us on pushing. Um, and finally, I would say, um, even if you're not placed, we're going to have a relationship and that we're always going to be able to pitch opportunities for you. And you're going to be able to help your colleagues with referrals. If you have a good friend that is just struggling with some with their job, you're going to be able to say, hey, call my recruiter. It's like having a doctor or a lawyer, call my recruiter because um, they're going to be able to help you out. And that's just a valuable tool to have in your toolbox. So those are the five things. I think the top five I would I would say are why you want to engage. 
Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Over at gyms, I'm writing shit down too. <laughs> this is why we end up talking to Chandra and spending so much time. She's a gym dropper. Yes, she she's is. a gym dropper. Right. She she ain't even trying. You know, she so she's casual. flexing on us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just do this. Just do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just do this. <laughs> Classic overachiever. That's our girl Chandra. <laughs> and it's interesting that you say all of these things because except for my first job out of B school, all of my jobs have actually come from being contacted by an executive recruiter at the end of the day. You know, and I know I do. I know you do, Ricky. We get contacted on a routine basis about opportunities and things that may pop up just because of the networks that we've built and how we're putting ourselves out into the world. And so the question that I have is, when, when is that best time to take a call from a recruiter or decide to reach out to one, you know, if you're looking at testing the waters? Yeah, so what we would call, um, Keith, what we would call you and Ricky with your background, I mean, so you guys are what we would call walking placements. We're going to be calling you all the time because you guys went to good schools. You have great careers. So that's why we're calling you, right? And so how many of these calls do you pick up? And when do you pick up? I get it. Or maybe you're not being called and how do you position? So we recommend, I personally recommend that you pick the call. You take the call. Most likely today, you're going to be reached out via LinkedIn email. You know, most recruiters, we as, as a an executive in the industry, I lament of the day where we had to use a phone, right? And so you don't get a lot of cold calls per se. It's mostly through LinkedIn and we can touch base about the importance of your LinkedIn. Um, I would, res would respond and because you never know when you're gonna need them. So I would probably try to engage an executive search recruiter or again, if you're operational staff level before you need them. And then the other piece of it is when you do get reached, when someone calls you, Keith, did you find that your first call, did you start thinking about your career in a way that you probably had not stopped? You had probably not paused. Mm -hmm. I know you were in finance. You had no time to think about your career, right? You had right. no time to think about, okay, how am I going to get to that next level? You're in, you know, you're doing forecasts, you're doing monthly closing audits, all that, right? And so um, you really have to um, leverage that time to take a moment and think about your career. Like, are you stagnant? Mm -hmm. Are you underpaid? Is there a better opportunity out there for me? That that call can trigger that type of in-depth analysis and take advantage of it because it doesn't. We usually don't get angels landing, you know, so clearly on your lap and in in your career pursuit. Yep. So that could be a good call for you. So I I take the call pretty early. Mm -hmm. And that gets back to some of that that flirting, right? I mean, I'm always like, I'll listen. Because <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, what's the harm? In, what's the harm in listening? You never know. I may just I may learn something that I didn't know about, get a little nugget of information. Or again, like you said, I could be a referral, uh, which is also valuable as well. It's like it may not be for me, but I know a person who um, who may be good for this that you may want to talk to. If you refer people to your executive recruiters, they're, they're you're top on their list because we're it's, we find people through our network. So if you're a part of that network and you're feeding um, people in that community, I mean, they're always going to be beholden to you. They're going to take your call every single time. And so what happens is if you have a son or a niece or maybe someone that was on your team that you had to lay off, unfortunately, pick up that phone and we can help, you know, and so we can direct the right your referral to the right people pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, it's like when we just, again, we talk about this village, we talk about, you know, trying to make sure that we have this community, you know, of practitioners and whatnot. And I think that this is just a perfect example. Everything that you're saying here is like what, what, we, what we live all the time. I mean, in every single coaching session that we have, we ask people about their marketing collateral. We ask them about their mouthpiece, making sure that they can <coughs> speak to their value proposition. We ask them about the pay. That's Some right. people don't even really know what their, 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 what their market value is, you know? So all of these conversations mm -hmm. that Chandra is talking about, all the rationale behind why you would even, you know, reach out to an executive recruiter or at least take their calls, validates all of these things that we're speaking to mm -hmm. everything this is like the coup de gras you know right here right but i have one final question for you can you share what makes for a good client relationship 
and what could make a relationship a bit more challenging than others? That is a good one. (laughs) It can be good, but it can go south too, right? And so, especially engaging in your career change, engaging in even thinking about changing careers is so stressful because of everything we just talked about. So you really want to make sure that you have a strong partnership. So I think that the number one thing I would recommend to make sure that it's a good relationship is communication. Um, That first hello, how does that feel? Are you able to give um, the executive recruiter the full, your full story? Are they listening? Are they like you all asking engaging questions? Are they paying attention? You'll get a sense right then and there whether or not they're worthy of your time, right? Because your time, like we just said, is limited. You're busy. You can't, if you're going to take a call, it better be pretty valuable. Um, the other thing, critical aspect to a good relationship is transparency. If you have other things going on, you don't necessarily have to divulge with what company, but let them know you have other things going on. So if you're interviewing a couple of different places, if you're thinking of relocating, whatever it is, just divulge everything. If you think something's going to come up in a in a reference, let them know. Let them help you tell your own story. So if a client knows you and picks up the phone and says, hey, you know so-and-so, I see that you worked with them two years ago and something bad went or not bad, but something, you know, went down that might not be the best. If you can't tell your own story ahead of time, you're on the defensive. So if you have things like what we would call skeletons in the closet, and you feel comfortable, let your recruiter know, and then you'll craft your own messaging, and he will bring that up before the client even has a way to find out on their own. So you really want to be transparent, because you want the client to be able, you want the company to be able to trust that executive recruiter that they fully vetted you. And at the same time, you want to be able to tell your story in a way that it's your story. Does that make sense? So that transparency on both ends is very, very, is very critical. And then, you know, the other piece of it is be direct. If you're not interested, you're not interested. That's okay. Don't pretend. You don't have to pretend. We always encourage people to go out on interviews. It's just a test, especially if you haven't been interviewing in a while. You do want to go out in some interviews just to get those skills going, right? It's a skill to interview. But if you're not interested, let them know why, give them good feedback, and then they can target their search in a way that next time they pick up the phone, it's a little bit more targeted. So those are the good things. So be transparent. You're the boss, though. They don't own you. You own that relationship, right? And so but the more you engage with them, the better it's going to be. The reciprocity will be pretty um, strong. Okay, when does it go south? You want me to go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Remember when I was telling you earlier how we get paid 100% commission? Mm-hmm. Some people just can't handle that stress. And you'll know. You'll just get a sense of a panic, high pressure, a lot of heavy, heavy push to do something that is just not what you share with them. So, for example, if you're sharing with them that you want to stay um, as simple as 25 miles within your home because of a commute, and they keep pitching you idea, um, jobs that are an hour and a half away, something's up, right? Mm-hmm. Something's up. And you would ask them, but I would just, if they're not listening to what you're asking for and why you would leave, um, you got to, your red flag should go up. If they're keep pitching you jobs are just not in your, your skill set or in your industry or in your interest. And so they just are, they're just not paying attention to what you're asking for or what your what your strengths are. I would be that's a red flag. If they don't know enough about the company. So, you know, if they are pitching you a job and if you're asking some pretty critical questions and they keep saying, I have to get back to you, I have to get back to you, I have to get back to you. Hmm. Like, are you in this relationship with a client? Or is there, are you representing the client? Is it your, is your team member that you're representing? Like, what's going on here that you don't know these answers? That's a red flag also. Now, mind you, a strong executive recruiter will trial close you all the way through. They don't want surprises. They don't want to, they don't want to get to the altar. They don't want to be a bridesmaid. Let's just say that. They want to be the bride. They don't want to be, you know, they don't want to be left at the altar at the end. And so they will always trial close you. That's different than pressuring you. A trial close will be, hey, Keith, what are you thinking? Do you want to go to the next step? What are your concerns? What are you excited about? They're going to be asking you those type of questions, which is great because then it forces you to really think about it. If they're not ans- if they're not listening to your answer though, 
and they keep saying, yeah, but don't worry about that. Well, don't worry about that. Don't worry. That's, you know, they're not, something's not right there. So listen to your, your sense and um, they should be able to really hone in on your search and offer value early and often. And if they're not, you know, I would probably, I would probably say nice things, but move on, move on quickly. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I have maybe one to uh, to kind of add there because uh, you know, in in our relationships with um, you know some of our uh, senior leaders and some not so senior, we're talking to them about how to use executive recruiters. One of the the it's happened on a, a, a few occasions when a client gets to the finish line and the offer comes up and the the total comp that they had talked about beforehand. Now the client's like, that's not what I wanted. I wanted more. I wanted X. You know, if you continue to kind of go in those, because I, I hear you saying sometimes the uh, the executive recruiter is not listening. But if the actual person trying to be recruited is not listening and they haven't done their homework, that's when things yeah. can kind of go bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit, because you want like if I'm working with um, if I'm working with an executive recruiter, I want to be upfront. Now, mind you, I'm also going to be aspirate. Don't be be aspirational, right? Yeah, because yeah, you want to move. If you're moving, the rule of thumb. Now, this is just an anecdotal rule of thumb. If you're changing jobs, you should be expecting between anywhere from a ten to fifteen percent bump in pay. That's mm-hmm. a risk factor of coming in. So those accountants know um, first in, first out, FIFO, right? That old inventory methodology, you, you know, you're, you've got to be careful with that, right? And so there's a risk in moving. So you want to bump and pay. Now, at the same time, you don't want to be so greedy and so <laughs> like that you're just, out, you don't want to price yourself out of the market, but price, be competitive. Don't ask your executive recruiter, how high can you push? How hard can you push on this? They'll tell, a strong one will tell you, they'll tell you immediately, like our client, our VP of finance is not willing to go above 120. That's their cap. Mm-hmm. So is that going to work for you? And if it's not going to work for you, say no. Because sometimes you're 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 thinking that you can push them to 125, and if that's their cap, that's their cap. We all know what budgets are, so um, yeah, be transparent, especially about salary, benefits, PPO, because we are in a position to help you before it matters. We can vet that all out before you get to the altar. We can vet it all out. So when you get to that offer stage, we know. As a matter of fact, our clients give us the offer first. You don't get the offer before we do. And we'll push back. We'll be like, nope, they won't take it because this is what they, this, we will represent you during that kind of dance. And it is golden because we can push back pretty hard um, in a way that you as a future employee probably won't feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Man, Chandra, 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 man, this, we might have to have a part two on this one because <laughs> this is fire, man. So so look, the one uh, uh, area where we always try to focus on every week when we have our, our show is because I know people sometimes feel like we're just making stuff up, Chandra. They sometimes feel like we're just, you know, glorifying some things or p- kind of putting an extra zero, you know, on it. But this is a part in the show. Well, we like to go back and look at these receipts. And, you know, Keith being the finance minded he is, we're going to always have some good receipts. So today we're going to share some receipts on the importance and the impact that executive recruiters have. So, Keith, hit us with that first receipt. Sure. Yeah. And receipt number one, according to a 2020 uh, statistical survey, 50 percent of global leaders said that they are using executive recruiters to source diverse talent. <laughs> this is what our show is all about, right? Helping diverse talent get mm-hmm. the job. So companies are using executive recruiters to get that talent. And 52% are using recruiters for confidential searches, as Chandra talked about before. Not there posted. may be somebody in that position right now that they can't talk about. Right. So those jobs are behind the scenes that you want to be a part of and have access to. And further career international states in their global recruiting trends report that 78% of recruiters and hiring managers say that diversity right now is the top trend impacting how they hire. So again, for BIPOC employees, knowing that trend and knowing this is where hiring managers and recruiters are thinking about and talking about, you need to get yourself ready. Get yourself positioned for when these opportunities show up. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We've been talking about it. We've been talking about it, okay? So look, I mean, that is is crazy because we're we're really telling you, we're, we're giving you 
we're giving you the formula mm -hmm. right now. We're giving right. you the confidence to be able to go out there and advocate for yourself. And if you do it, yes. the statistics say that somebody's going to find you. Yes. <laughs> you know, that somebody's going to call you. Mm -hmm. So look, Keith, receipt number two here, according to Glassdoor, on average, each corporate job offer attracts at least 250 resumes. Of those candidates, four to six will get called for an interview and only one will get the job. And according to uh, studies by the, uh, by the ladders and Jobvite, recruiters take an average of six seconds, six seconds to scan a resume, meaning if it don't look right, that's right. We ain't giving it a second look, That's man. Right. You know what I mean? Moving on. And 87% of those recruiters use LinkedIn to check candidates. Now, does this sound familiar? All of the folks that we've been talking to out there from uh, our secrets listeners mm -hmm. for uh, wh why we use LinkedIn so much now mm -hmm. when we post yeah. or even when we do our coaching, we keep telling people, what's your LinkedIn look That's like? Right. Oh, I don't really use it too much or something like that. That's There's right. a reason why we're asking you to do that. There's a reason why Chandra and everyone else is talking to they you. They you're listening to you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the reason. That's the reason why we talk about the algorithms and all of that stuff that are in those those applicant tracking mm -hmm. uh, software forms. Shandra, what else would you like to say about that? I know this is that one of those things that okay, you and I have had conversations about. So, OK, your receipt number two is the money, money, money. Think about what you just said. OK, so first of all, corporate job offer. So that means it's a corporate recruiter. So even before you get that resume to the corporate recruiter, you mentioned algorithms. A lot of these companies have algorithms that screen out resumes. So you don't even, you may not even, they don't even talk about the resumes they don't get to them because <laughs> of some crazy algorithm out there. So you're competing against 250 resumes. So when I was saying one of the advantages is coaching on your resume, True up on that because that we will tell you how to figure how to structure your resume where a corporate recruiter those first six seconds we know how to get their attention we'll help you with that so that's it takes them two seconds to find um, the other piece of it is when you're talking to an executive recruiter you're up against all those other candidates that the company is trying to find on their own we're expensive a client has to pay us usually between twenty five to thirty percent of your full year compensation to engage in us. So when we place someone, think about it. When we place someone at $150,000, we're earning a very hefty fee. So we're no joke when, when a client engages us. So let us help you and we can, and, and, the, and the company is gonna try to save some money and not necessarily use our candidates. And so we have to present them in a way that is, we have to present you in a way that you are just outperform all that other competition. So if you're against 200 people, you're probably up against more than that and we don't even realize it. So, so when you're talking to an executive recruiter, if you leverage them to know, hey, they can give me the secret sauce to beat out all that competition, um, that's number one, that's huge. And the only other thing about that is we don't go through that gate. We go through the back door. So when we engage, when a company calls us and we're purposely looking for that role. We're not going through some algorithm. We're picking up the phone with the CFO, with the CEO, with the VP of marketing and say, hey, I have two backgrounds I want to pitch to you when you have time. Okay, you can't get that when you're just hitting submit through a job ad, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I just wanted to like, thank you for that opportunity. Let me jump in on that one because that receipt is money. No, <laughs> no, hey, hey and, 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 and we swear by it. I mean, I think ultimately we're talking about putting your best foot forward. And we're not talking about being happy to, to be at the game. We're trying to be in the game. We're trying to like, I'm trying to shoot my shot, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and to That's be right. able to do that, you got to put forth all of the resources you can. So we appreciate that, Chandra. Yeah, exactly. And receipt number three, as good as LinkedIn is, <laughs> I mean, they put out their own survey that says 85% of jobs are filled via networking. So mm -hmm. this gets to your point, Sandra, of going through the back door, right? It's like having those networks of people who can get you into the decision makers and get their attention so that you can fill those jobs um, is, is really important. Not filling that submit button on the, uh, right. we, we call that. The you know, black hole. Just, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's submit like, to the black hole. <laughs> it's <laughs> like you're wasting oh, your time. You're on the hamster is. wheel right now if you click and submit on job applications, right? Uh, and according to a Gallup survey, 51% of people are current, who are currently 
currently employed admit it. They're actively searching, looking for another opportunity or keeping their eyes on job openings. So again, you're not cheating necessarily. You know, everyone, a lot of people are flirting uh, uh, on a consistent basis. So don't feel bad about uh um, looking for opportunities for yourself. Nah, absolutely key, Keith. And look, receipt number four, according to the recruiter sentiment study by MRI Network, recruiters cited the following barriers to finding talent. Not enough suitable candidates, 63% said that was the, the issue. Candidates don't respond to calls and emails, 42%. How many people say I never checked my uh, LinkedIn mm-hmm. or check my email? I thought it was spam, right? Mm-hmm. Difficulty finding passive talent, meaning people who already have jobs, mm-hmm. you know, it's difficult to get them to be able to respond and answer mm-hmm. the emails, right? So that's 34%. And then lastly, too many unqualified junk resumes from job boards, right? Yes. Like, so again, we're talking out of that 250, whether it be the algorithm or the resume just stinks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like all of those types of things, that's 23%, 23%. So, which is ridiculous. So look, we've, we've spent some time hopefully convincing you to just pick up the doggone phone, That's right. right? Like to go ahead and answer your That's emails, right. to go ahead and work with the uh, executive search firms and think about how genuinely honest Chandra's being right now. Oh yeah. This, this is what the community is like. They said, they, when you get paid, they get paid, That's right? right. <laughs> like why would they not, you know, spend time, you know, talking to you. So what, like for our secrets, uh, you know, family, village, community today, We want to shift into maybe some secrets, you know, here. So we have two key questions for Chandra on how to get the most out of your executive recruiter. So Chandra, if you can start out, can you just tell our listeners how to find an executive recruiter or even better, how we can stand out so that you find us as the executive recruiter? Yeah, thank you. That's such an insightful question. And really, it's everything that we mentioned, but hone in and spend some time on it. So C-suite executive recruiters, we're going to find you. Mm -hmm. Um, You're either going to be referred to us from one of your colleagues, um, or we're going to be networking or LinkedIn. So you need to be visible. So the old-fashioned networking is still really, really helpful. So if you're especially... If you're um, if you're not a part of any professional networking association, change that right away. Get involved. Become a committee me- member. Become a member on the board. Really spend some time on some networking within your industry, within your profession, because that's where we fish. We that's where we go. We, the first place we go is to networking committee. You know, networking functions. Back in the day before COVID, now we do it all Zoom, but. Um, we probably, you know, spend, I would say 25, 30% of our time networking in that, in that type of a pond. Um, so network, network, network is the best way. Jump in a cab with your old CEO can change your life, right? And so let me just tell you, it happened to me. You just never know. Just network. I had no business going to that party, but I thought, you know what? I might as well do that. I might meet some interesting people. I was at a point in my career that I knew I was going to change. And lo and behold, within 48 hours, I was, you know, sitting in a cab with my old CEO. So you just never know. Network. We talked about LinkedIn, but it's really critical that you pay attention to your LinkedIn profile because what will happen is we'll do a search on LinkedIn, and we may get a thousand hits. So then we're gonna fine tune that search. Then we may get 500 hits. Then we're gonna fine tune in a couple more and then we're gonna get 25 to 50. That's more manageable. So how does that work for you? Make sure you understand keyword search. So there's a there's a science behind your LinkedIn profile. So make sure you really understand keyword search. There's a lot of um, websites go out and say, hey, if I'm looking for a controller position, Google, Google that, you know, I always say Google that shit, but, uh, you know, so Google it. So <laughs> what you do is how do I, what's the keyword search for a controller job? And then you just make sure your LinkedIn profile has a couple of those keyword searches early on. Um, get recommendations on your keyword, on your, I'm sorry, get recommendations on your LinkedIn, if you can, mm-hmm. from your peers, you're a great team member, you're, you handle um, any, any of your volunteer work, all of that on LinkedIn will help you. So LinkedIn is really the gateway is such an equalizer, right? I mean, you just, it's such an equalizer across the board that if you can be found on LinkedIn, you have a really good chance. Um, 
And then really, I would um, be very confident. Then one thing is be confidential. So if you do all that in your LinkedIn profile, make sure you click that little button that says, don't update my network that I just updated my profile. Like, you know, <laughs> keep it private. Like you don't want your boss to know that you just spent, you know, 25 minutes on your LinkedIn profile and it comes out that Chandra has new skills. Chandra has a new network. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want, so make that stuff private. So don't let your whole network know that you just did that. So, um, so, um, but if I can spend one, I know, um, I'm probably giving you, I'm probably oversharing, but one no, thing no, no. is okay. Um, if you're, I can't stress enough. If you're two years out of college, find an executive. Well, just reach out, just pick up the phone, look in the yellow pages, the old yellow pages, look online for executive re- or search firms. Cause you want to know, you have no idea how many people we've helped that are two to three years out of school. We're talking getting 10, 15, $20,000 increases. Um, we just help that population and you need to do it in your, we used to have a saying, you have skills in your 20s, don't in your 30s, right? So you want to make sure that you have the skills, right? But boy, use a search firm if you can to try to get that next job for, for the money because we will help you for that. I'll never forget a personal story. My niece, she was working in a DC law firm to the bone as a secretary making like $42,000. And you know, she did not listen to my advice. I kept on saying, will you please update your profile? Can you please update LinkedIn? She will do it. I'm like, girl, you are crazy. And that was in our specialty or I would have helped her. Mm-hmm. She updates her profile on Monday. She gets three executive, three recruiting firms reach out to her. Within two weeks, she gets a new job and she increased her salary by about $25,000. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. And so yeah. it is, especially because she was so underpaid, University of Wisconsin grad working in DC, you know, having fun, maybe a little bit too much fun in the social scene, not really caring. Like you've got to update that LinkedIn because if she didn't do it, then she would have never gone to Texas A&M for her grad school. Right. And mm-hmm. so be serious. Let's take a moment. Be serious about that when you're in your 20s. Is my biggest word. So you can reach out in your 20s, but when you're in the C-suite, we'll find you. Yeah, no, that's a great. Those are great, great nuggets of wisdom. And can you also provide uh, some secrets on how to vet a potential executive recruiter? Because you mentioned it earlier, you know, there are some people out there that, you know, are looking out for themselves as opposed to looking out for you, you know, and, and Ricky and I know that all executive recruiters are not created equal. And you've talked about that as well. So how do you vet a, a recruiter when they call you? And I have to say, unfortunately, I've had to terminate some executive recruiters because they just weren't ethical, right? And so that we really focus on that North Star ethics. So there's three things that I would focus on. Um, number first and foremost, are they focused on your industry um, and your profession? Are they specialists? Because chances are, if they're specialists, you're going to be able to do your own backdoor references, and they're going to be you're going to know at the questions they ask how you're engaged in that conversation and whether or not they know your industry and if they've had place, you know, if they've had successful placements. Um, so really try to focus in on your industry, your profession, and go niche if you can. Um, are they knowledgeable? So ask some open-ended questions. Are they knowledgeable about trends in the industry? Do they understand um, what's going on with the great recession, not great recession, excuse me, but the great resignation? Mm-hmm. Um, do they have some ideas of what's going on? Like, are they, like, are they paying attention to business? Um, do they know who the CFO is of your largest competitor? Like kind of get a sense of who they are and what their network is. So ask some open-ended questions and pause and listen and see how well they can really tell their own story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third one is, is I would always recommend that you ask one question. Will you present me to a um, opportunity without first getting my permission? Or mm-hmm. will you always get my permission before you present? Yes or no. Mm-hmm. And if they are not willing to present to you first, and they're going to go and present you outside of your approval. That's a problem. Then I would not. I would not partner with them. Mm. Now, we coach how to overcome that, especially like in the operational staff roles, because sometimes we're moving so quick. Don't don't let us do it because you may have someone. Your old boss may be the manager of where we're pitching. Who knows your current boss? 
Mm. It's a small world. So you just mm-hmm. be careful. So I would really make sure that their loyalty is to you also, and that they will clean, they will clearly pick up the phone and say, Hey, Keith, um, hey Ricky, this is the opportunity I have. Are you interested? Now they may not give you the name of the company, but you can say, Hey, I won't tell you anyone the name of the company. I, I'll keep it confidential because you don't want the whole world competing against you on that one. But you really want to make sure that you're that you're clear and you're vetting that company out before you're presented. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, man, I'm telling you, this is this is fire over here. So Chandra has been over here just dropping so much science today. And we really, really just appreciate you being with us today, Chandra. I mean. We could talk to you for hours, okay? I mean, this is we get lost in this all of the time here, but I, I I promise you that what you have said today, I know it has resonated with uh, uh, some of our more experienced uh, listeners and some of our up and coming ones also. And to our listeners, you can find more resources on the secrets and the receipts that we shared today by going to our website secrets.com and looking in the show notes uh, for this episode again. Hot fire all over the place all, right now. All over the place. And Sean, I'll add my special thanks as well. Really appreciate you uh, being a part of this. And this is like the perfect way to end the season. End it though. Right? I mean, I already know people going to be flirting all Christmas break. <laughs> <laughs> and we really appreciate you being a supporter of Secrets and what we've built here. You know, shout out to all of our listeners and fans out there again, because you've all made this possible. And again, hopefully season three hasn't disappointed. It has been so much fun for us, uh, no doubt. And if you like what we're doing, be sure to write a review on Apple. Check us out on LinkedIn. Check us out on Patreon. We are there. And look, KP and I are all about helping you get what you deserve, okay? And we're not playing around here, okay? Because we're going to tell you these numbers and you'll probably, uh, the mouth will drop, but I need you to check out our coaching services. We're talking about some of the stuff and we're double-clicking on things that that Chandra spoke about, you know, uh, right now. And we're just really trying to get everybody ready. This is Mm -hmm. operation, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And to prove this, We've been able to help um, the Secrets listeners and our family out there get over $1 million in total comp increases in just over 16 months since we started Secrets. That Those are some receipts right there. Those are the receipts we like to talk about, right? Um, and we want to honestly, sincerely thank our girl Chandra again for bringing some gems today. It was so, so great having you today. And I, and I I have a suspicion that there's going to be a part two coming at some point <laughs> in all of the gems that you gave. So, Chandra, thank you so much, you know, for being on today. Hey, um, thank you. And two quick things. Yes. Yeah. Can, and you, it, this can be on the edit floor if it's, if it's too much. Number one, people need to take advantage of your coaching because they're paying for it. When you get executive coaching and your company pays for it, that's nice, but it also can be re-education camp, right? It may not actually be in your best interest. So when you're paying for it and it's your coaching one-on-one, highly recommend. And it's no doubt that you've got, you increase over a million dollars. So kudos to you. You guys are doing something right. And I highly recommend career coaching. And on your own, not through your company, spend the money, spend the money on your own investment. I could not stress that enough. And number two, this is a shameless plug. If you think what I do is fun, if you think what I do is interesting, and you're ever been interested in being an executive recruiter, reach out, because this is the best industry for all walks of life, all races, all sexes, you name it, you can make cha-ching in this industry. And long term, the average executive recruiter has a tenure of over 15 years. Um, it is, I know people who started this job right out of college and they're, and they are now retiring after they put their kids through college, paid for weddings and et cetera. It's a great opportunity. It's a great career. So if you're ever interested, you know who to call. I love it. And y'all call <laughs> Nelson. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all call yeah, Nelson, yeah. Nelson That's man. Right. So, yeah, you so. <laughs> I had to do it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And so as we end this amazing season, uh, we want to raise our cups to you, our listeners, the fans, supporters, friends, family, because again, we couldn't do this without your support. 
And uh, we look forward to getting back at it in season four with another great lineup of guests and content for you. Yeah, get ready. If you thought this season was good, get ready, because we are already over here with the pen and the paper and the plan. And we got some really good confirmations already. But we also want everyone to have a safe holiday as we take the next six weeks off uh, the air to prepare for season four. We got yeah. some things that we're doing behind the scenes. Go ahead and stock up on that gear. That's we right. got some, I, I, look, I know we was getting a little hate mail because we didn't have the divine nine, you know, <laughs> gear out there where we, it's, it, it, you can look on there and you can take advantage of that, you know, as well. But, you know, we, the first thing I really want to be able to say is before we go and fill these cups back up, because, you know, it's empty. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to remind everyone again, I'm going to say this until, until we're blue in the face here, Keith, go get vaccinated. Please. And if you haven't gotten uh, and if you haven't gotten your bo- booster yet, go out there and get that booster. Because, again, we want you to continue thriving here. Mm-hmm. Right. We know at the end of the day, we got family members who talk about they doing their research let's just wrap up that research and go ahead and handle your business. Okay. (laughs) Um, And then the last thing I'll say is thanks again for listening to secrets and helping us achieve another successful season. We'll be back at you in a few weeks with new everything. Mm -hmm. So in the meantime, everybody just remember this one thing. When we share, you transform. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed yet another gem from KP and PR. In fact, one listener said that Secrets makes me smarter every time I listen, and we hope you agree. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, and donate via Patreon. Check us out on the web at www.secrets.com. That's www.c-crets.com to get more information about our secret services. Until next time, cheers!